I don't know about you, Brian, but it has been a week of li very little sleep for me because I see, I don't know if it's something else going on with the changing of the seasons or whatever, but I have not been getting a whole lot of sleep. I'm going to chalk it up to the fact that we are in the USL League One playoffs and we got the semis coming this weekend because after watching those quarterfinal matches, man, this weekend's semifinals are only going to get better. Yeah, they should be really good. We got some very talented teams and some really good matchups this week. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to get crazy. This is what the playoffs are all about. Yeah, got to love it. Well, welcome, everybody. Another edition of League One on the Rocks. I'm Rich. You can find me on Twitter at I'm Rich, but I'm not. And man, opposite me uh, on the computer screen is Brian. You can find him on Twitter at Mediocre Ace. Yes. How are you doing tonight, sir? Oh, I'm doing good. Not too bad. I went to a trunk or treat with the kids today, so that was a good time. Oh, cool. Ready to talk about some... Uh, some League One soccer, even though my favorite team is no longer involved. Yep. Yeah, it was a heartbreaking one, but we'll be getting that and getting to that one here pretty soon. Uh, what are you drinking tonight? Tonight I've got water, what I'm primarily going to be drinking, but I will also be cracking into some high noons, some black cherry and a pineapple, which happen to be my two favorites. Cool. Well, I have some water here with me as well. Since I took the day off from work so I could try to get some rest, I didn't get a whole lot at all, but I have some Mountain Dew with me to try to keep me awake a little bit. Hopefully it'll do the trick, at least somewhat. You're right. Let's go with, I think I'm going to go with the pineapple first. There you go. Oh, fingernail got caught underneath the tab. You're all right. Yeah, it's the worst feeling in the world, though. <laughs> No, I take that back. Actually, my mustache hair getting caught in it is the worst feeling in the world. I have never had that happen either. Oh, so painful. Well, we got a lot to talk about tonight, so let's go ahead and jump right in. Looking at the first quarterfinal match from last Saturday, we had Tormenta hosting Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Now, I think you and I, before this one even kicked off, we were pretty confident that Charlotte was going to run away with this one. <laughs> yeah i think uh the podcast last week but that's all we were doing was beating the charlotte drum right yeah and <laughs> so i i watched a little bit of this one i watched as much as i could of this one before the union or the second quarterfinal started mm -hmm. with union omaha and chattanooga yep so i did get to see that that goal uh within like the first 10 minutes or whatever but yep. looking at their attendance they had just under 1,300 people there. Yeah, just under 1,300, which is about 300 over their average for the season. So, nice. and 100 more fans than last week. So good. Yeah, moving up in the new stadium. Obviously, they're they're not finished yet, and I'm sure they have to get the word out there to some more of the casual fans and everything. But still, things are looking up out there in South Georgia. Yeah, if you are in Statesboro or, or you're in that general vicinity, man, you got to get out there to Tormenta Stadium because you got a good team. You got a nice stadium. I mean, it's it's a good setup. Get out there and go watch them play. Yeah, there are fans around the league that would kill for their own stadium right now. So, yes, yeah, you got to get out there and, and support them. And plus, the soccer is really good. A lot of underrated, underrated players in the league out there and tormenta so yeah it's good sign and, and within the first 10 minutes like we said earlier gabriel obertan from charlotte broke the score line with a goal in the eighth minute with mm -hmm. the assist from santos 
So when that goal went in, I remember thinking to myself, holy shit, is Tormenta actually going to go down? Because <laughs> I was I was so confident on Tormenta that, yeah, there, yep. there's no doubt. They're totally going to make it through. Mm-hmm. And so seeing that one, oh, man. Yeah, and I mean that that shot too was insane and I, a tight angle shot and put so much power on it. There was nothing, nothing tormentous keeper could have done to get that ball. Yeah. No chance. So great strike by him, man. That's Gabriel Alberton. Hats off to you. What a rocket off the foot. Yeah, that was, that was a really nice goal. And even going up until halftime, man, it looked like this was I don't know. It looked like it was going to be a low scoring affair for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of, if you were a Tormenta fan, I bet you were very nervous at halftime. Yeah. When I was watching it, I was kind of shocked to see Tormenta struggle as much as they did in that first half. It yeah. did not look like the Tormenta that we're used to. There was a lot of times where guys were getting in behind and a lot of good runs, a lot of good saves in this match too. So yeah. Um, yeah, just very surprising first half from Tormenta and a very strong first half for, for Charlotte. It really was. Yeah. I was thinking, uh, I was getting my hopes up for an Omaha Charlotte final <laughs> in Omaha. But that would have been nice, man. Pure chaos right from the get go. Mm-hmm. That would have been nice. Mm-hmm. Well, jumping into the second half, three minutes in, and Tormenta wasted no time getting Kaziah Sterling the ball. He got the assist from Kingsford, Ajay. I mean, those two right there. I mean, when you get those two working together, they're going to create some some damage for the other team. Yeah, and I mean, coming into it, when they signed Sterling, and again, I'll I'll bring it up. I know I've done it on the podcast before, but just some of the jokes that were made at his expense coming from, oh, you know, he played for Tottenham in no like meaningless games. Man, he's torn up the league since he's been here. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind he would – if he were to stay here, he would be winning the scoring title next year. Man, it would certainly be close, yeah. And, you know, to go off of what you were just saying, the same can be said about Gabriel Oberton because he was supposed to be pegged the successor to Cristiano Ronaldo there at Manchester United. (laughs) I mean, there was was a lot of pressure placed upon him while he was in their ranks. And, I mean, it didn't work out, but it worked out perfectly fine for USL since they picked him up. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, you'd think he's, you know, he was the second coming of, of Messi or Ronaldo from the way they were talking about him on the, uh, the playoff preview, all nine minutes of it. So, yeah. Yeah. But no, he's, he's a great player as well. There was a lot of times in this match that he had quite a few shots on goal that looked really good, just better saves. Yep. So, yep. That was a huge factor in in this one. Mm-hmm. Goalkeeping. And coming off that 48th minute goal from Kaziah Sterling, the very next minute, Charlotte got a straight red card to their center back, Hector Acosta. Yeah, you uh, you can't take a guy down as he's free onto the goal. Like, that's a red card every time. Yeah. Uh, it, there's nobody in front of him. You, you have to try to do something, but you can't take him down. <laughs> yeah do anything but take him down try to at least get a foot on the ball but no just tackling him by the shirt ain't gonna work that's gonna get you kicked out every single time yeah that was a pretty easy call for the ref yeah 
nothing came of it though. So, I mean, the free kick, I mean, it was right outside the box mm-hmm. and this couldn't put it in, but I mean, in the 77th minute, you could call it bailed out from a handball call in the box. Cause I Sterling puts the penalty down beautifully taken penalty that really quick to a super slow run up and just the one hop and then waited for the keeper to move and then sent it to the other side. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's about as textbook of a penalty as you can take right there. Yep. The art of the slow run up is, is a very underrated penalty style. It's so weird to see different players and their approaches to penalty kicks like leading up to the actual kick. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. All the different styles. It's not my, my particular cup of tea. I prefer the, like Mo Salah run up as if you're sprinting down the side and then just power it through. Yeah. But there's something to be said about that. I think I just don't like him because it's just anticipation because he just waits. I swear it was a solid second before he kicked the ball and it felt like an eternity watching that. <laughs> I was secretly pulling for Tormenta for that in that match, but man, again, great penalty. I will ask you though, what do you think about the penalty given via the handball? Yeah. So for that handball on Corey Bennett, yeah, if that ball is coming across the box and you're jumping with your arms up like that, I mean, no, that's that's a handball. That's yeah. a handball every day of the week. I'm not convinced that it hit his arm, but come on, man. We all know the officiating in League One. Yeah. If you jump with your arms up in the air and the ball makes a weird bounce like it did, they're going to call you a handball every single time. Yeah. Keep your arms down at your sides. You're not playing basketball. You're not trying to go straight up. You just can't do it. Granted, I don't know that it necessarily would have changed the outcome of the game completely anyway. I think Charlotte, especially going a man down in the 49th minute, was probably going to lose that match anyway. They had firm control of the first half, but Tormenta in that second half, peppering shots on goal, yeah, and they were going to get a second one regardless. I mean, it... There's no, there's no way that that Charlotte was coming out of that match, especially down to ten men. Yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot of interesting talking points about this second half. You know, Corey Bennett with his awkward jump. I mean, any mm-hmm. defender in the world knows you put your arms down when you jump. Corey Bennett, not a defender, so yeah. he's going to go up in an unnatural position. I mean, that was just that was boneheaded play. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Trying to get as much height as you can to try to get it, you know, get something on the ball. Yeah. Because they look super dangerous in that second half. So you had to do something. But And another major talking point is that offside call for that first Tormenta goal. Yeah. Oh, it was close. Um, it was close. Again, it is League One officials. This is not our first year or anybody's first year in the league. You know, the league's been around long enough that you should know that these officials are not the greatest in the world. Yeah. You can't give them the opportunity to influence the match. And unfortunately that's what Charlotte kind of did. So it is. So I have three major things in regards to the offside call. Okay. Number one. Yes, I do believe he was offside. Number two, Charlotte, how the fuck are you giving Kaziah Sterling that much space. 
Uh, Yeah, that's another good question. You know the kind of player he is. You know how lethal he is. He was in the middle of both of your defenders. And still, like, you got to body up to him. Mm -hmm. You got to got to have somebody constantly around him for him to have that much space around both of your center backs. Oh, that's that calls into question your defensive scheme that day. Yeah. Even if he is offside. So that raises the number, th- the the third thing, don't put your fate in the hands of the USL league one refs. Can't don't do it. do it. Don't put yourself at risk. You know, they're not going to call a great game. So don't do it. Yep. This it's not a surprise that League One officiating is bad. So yeah, I yeah I agree completely. I mean I'll just go with was he offsides? The ref didn't think so. Um, take take that as you will, and yeah. it is what it is. We've all every single team's been on the receiving end of a bad call. So I think complaining about the refs, especially in a playoff match, like come on, like you know it, you know how it goes. Let's. Let's move on. Yeah. And don't call for an investigation. That's stupid. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Now I don't even want to entertain yeah. something as stupid as that. Yeah. That's all I want to say. Just no, just don't. The league's not out to get you. No. <laughs> Trust me. I, I think the league, if they could go through a game without the refs being involved at all, they would take that 100% of the time. Yeah. But that's not how it works realistically. Yep. Well, somebody who did have a good game, I would say for Tormenta, it would obviously have to be Kaziah Sterling. I mean, he had the two goals. So, I mean, oh God. who yeah. else are you going to choose? It's the playoffs. He scored two goals. Two goals, and he's your biggest name. And the big names, the big stars shine brightest on the biggest nights. And he definitely did that in this match. Yeah. And then Charlotte, I mean, have to give it to the other goal scorer, Gabriel Oberton. I mean... Yeah. Not only did he have that goal in the first half, but he easily could have had a second one in the second half with that direct kick from outside mm-hmm. the box. Yeah, that comes into mind. He also had another one that was saved that he could have easily had had a hat trick too. Um, yeah. If it wasn't for great goalkeeping, I mean, dude would have had a hat trick and Charlotte would be moving on. So yep. um, he's your only real choice, I think for Charlotte. They, in that first half, they looked really good, but everything was flowing through Oberson too. So yeah, if you, wanna, to if you want to investigate anything, investigate Tormenta's goalkeeper for being on steroids or performance enhancers or something like that. Cause that dude was on his head yeah. the entire game. Okay. You know, I, I gotta go into something. It's just a, a random tangent. What is the big deal if somebody wants to take performance enhancing drugs, if they're a professional athlete, why do we care? What are we there to see the best possible players playing the best possible game they can, right? So who cares if they're taking performance enhancing drugs? Like that's what you're there for. That's what you want to see. I don't know. Maybe that's the uh, old school baseball fan <laughs> coming out. <laughs> it's like back before they tested for it. And they're just like, oh, fuck it. If he wants to hit 100 home runs, go ahead. Yeah. I want to see a dude score 100 goals in a 30 game season. Like, <laughs> I don't care. That's just my opinion, though. But yeah, that's that's certainly a hot take, man. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would disagree with you on that one. But I'm sure there's also a good number of people who would agree with you, too. Hey, send it over. I'll take it either way. Yeah. I'm I'm good for the conversation either way. That's fine with me. 
Imagine League One with players using steroids. Oh, I don't think there would be a League One <laughs> if everybody could take steroids and get away with it. I think everybody would be playing in higher divisions, but yeah. Yeah, what are you going to do? Yep. We won't put out a statement and call for investigations on them, though. So, <laughs> no, certainly not going to do that. <laughs> well, then we had the Saturday late match, I guess late. I mean, it's a kickoff a half hour afterward, yeah, whatever. Quote unquote late. I had the. Yeah. I had the first match on my phone and then the Oma match up on my big screen TV. So yeah, <laughs> had to watch both of them. Yep. And you know, Chattanooga pulled out the win. Congrats to them. Mm -hmm. I mean, they brought in over 2,400 fans to their stadium. How's that compared to their attendance? Uh, that's right on par with their average cool. about a hundred, hundred fans over, which is, they're up 0.29% year over year. They're one of the big the big hitters for year over year attendance draws. So good. Credit to them, man. And that crowd, let me tell you what, those whew, they came out and they came yeah. out full voiced. Yeah, they did. That match was a fun one to watch if you're like me and love atmospheres. Yeah. Because they made that place home field advantage was felt there for sure. Yeah. I kid you not. I don't think I sat for even 10 minutes of this one. I was yeah. constantly pacing back and forth in front of the TV, yelling and screaming and hooting and hollering. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was active during this one. Mm -hmm. And it was what I personally love to see is a, a crazy defensive battle. Yeah. Um, it seemed like Omaha in, in regular time had the, the big edge over Chattanooga in, just how many shots they were putting on goal. I think if correct me if I'm wrong, but did they win the, the shots on goal battle? I think they did by, I think two, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's, that sounds about right. And I mean, just a ton of saves. Yeah, man. Great saves too. Some, some were easier than others, obviously. Um, some of them that come to mind were some curlers that came in and he was just in the right spot and that's great goalkeeping. Man, this this match was fun to watch as a fan of defense. Yeah, and I got to tell you, for Union Omaha to be walking into CHI Stadium with 2,400 people rooting against you, mm -hmm. there were three, I think four Union Omaha fans that I can think of for sure that were there. Three from Omaha and then one one that they met down there. Yeah, Exactly, yep. yep. And... From so I, I was talking to Chris who's on the board over at Parliament. She went down there with Luke, who's also on the board at Parliament, and then Sean went with them. And they were saying that there weren't any players, family members there, there weren't any players, friends there. It was those four, and then everybody else in that stadium was rooting for the, oh, for the wow. Red Wolves. Yeah. So for the players to see, to come onto the field and see those four people behind the player's bench mm -hmm. and to know that you have those four people behind your back and that they're going to be loud as hell, you know, considering they're screaming into a hurricane, that, that had to have felt good for those players walking into the, into the stadium. Yeah, definitely. And they carried that momentum or that, that <coughs> encouragement and, and all that into the, into the, the game. Cause man, like you said, this was, this was a battle. It was yeah. a battle. It was fun to watch. Mm. Stressful, but very fun. Yeah. And I mean, we talked about it 
I think the the final week leading into the playoffs, we talked about how good Chattanooga was and how they were sleeping like a sleeping giant. Um, yeah. And I know you've been a big fan of this guy, but in the 101st minute, the the winner was scored by Mensingen. Yeah. And uh, Villalobos assisting on it. And it, you know, it came down to one mistake. And that, unfortunately, in a defensive battle, that's what wins the match is who makes a mistake first. It's like a big heavyweight boxing match, you know, the two the two best and whoever flinches first loses and yeah Omaha flinched first it yep. granted 101st minute so it took a while but beautiful beautiful run by Mensingen I mean yeah to to get around the Omaha center back like that and then just send another rocket in and to beat the golden glove winner you know in goal to to win the the game for you I mean yeah it's just what happens um, defensive battles were fun to watch. This was a great match to watch. And I don't think you can say enough about Mensingen and how well he scored or how well he played getting the goal and coming on as late as he did too. Cause he was a late substitution. Yeah. I think he and Galindras mm-hmm. were late. Yeah. Coming on. It was a super interesting lineup choice. Uh, yeah. I know that, that you had sent that message in our group chat before and saying, Oh, this is a really interesting lineup for Chattanooga. You don't really see their, their huge names out there yet. And he must've had a plan and the plan must've been bring on, bring on the big guns shortly after half. And that's what he did and more power to him, man. It worked because they definitely changed the game. So I wonder if Jimmy weekly went into that match with a different plan in mind, anticipating a, a lesser motivated union Omaha squad. Because for you to to have Galindres and Mensingen on the bench, I mean, those are two, like you said, major names in your mm-hmm. club. I would think in a one-off, you know, playoff scenario, I would want them out there and I would want them, you know, burying the opposition. Don't even give them an opportunity to breathe. Yeah. I mean, that's two of your three top scorers if yeah. you're Chattanooga. Yeah. So. And. They came in and what, like the 60th minute? Oh, you're gonna make me do math. Uh, yeah, yeah, because you go into extra time, and I'm not. I can't do that math that quickly. <laughs> I'm showing that math is not my strong suit. I will freely admit that, guys. So yeah, for those two guys to come in with a half hour left in regular time. Yeah, just um, about yeah. Mm-hmm. When they came on, I mean, there there was an immediate impact, mm-hmm. and there was a, an, an immediate adjustment and change to the to the flow of the game just by having those two guys come on and it was really interesting to see and it was really cool to see too yeah they definitely had the blueprint to beat union omaha too it seemed like they were completely okay with letting omaha have possession they were okay with letting them build up through the midfield and then hurting them on counterattacks and stuff like that so yeah and union omaha was hurting themselves with you know missing out on big chances I think there was one missed big chance in the first half, and I think there was another couple in the second, maybe? Yeah, as as far as big chances go, yeah. Omaha really showed what their weakness has been all season, and that's been scoring goals. They had multiple chances where on any other night, the ball would have found the net, and they couldn't get it done. Now, that's 
partially due to the goalkeeper for Chattanooga being so good. And that's partially just due to some bad luck and some missed runs. There was one ball I know that went straight across the face of goal and was missed. That yeah. should have been an easy tap in. Yep. And there was a shot from outside the box that kissed the top crossbar and yep. came off and nobody was there to send a rebound in. Yeah, it's just Omaha's issues all season, not being a very good attacking team. And especially when Chattanooga goes up in the 101st minute, that's hard to come back from if you can't score. So Yeah. Yeah, so uh, when the camera was panning left and you saw that defensive challenge on Mensingen in open in the open field and everything, it just seemed to happen so fast. But then once Mensingen got past that Union Omaha defender, everything slowed down to like Hollywood level for me because I was just like, no, because I know anybody knows if you give Mensingham space like that outside yep. the box, he's going to hurt you. Yeah, I mean, they did, they did give, was it Mensingen that they gave it to him in regular time? It might have been him right after he came on. They gave him a ton of space, and he sent one just over the crossbar. And we're talking like inches above. Knew who went up to try to make the saving. I don't even know if he would have got it if it was on target. This was a rocket off of his foot. And I don't know yeah. how how you didn't get, you know, make sure in your planning don't give him any space. Maybe yep. they were keying too much. Listen to me last week and and keyed too much on Espinoza, but <laughs> I mean, then we forgot about Mensingen. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's tough, but I, I I said it last week. I thought Chattanooga was going to win, and I I think I picked it even one nothing last week too. I think um, you're right. Yeah. So I would like to say I saw it coming, but I mean, I just given the run of form, that's what seemed the most logical to me. So, and if we're going to like really sing the praises of some guys, Mensingen obviously is going to be your biggest, your biggest one for Chattanooga yeah. getting the goal, but you could give it to Carrera Garcia or Villalobos in the, the midfield. Cause I mean, the midfield made the difference. We just touched yeah. on it earlier in the show that, I mean, or maybe that was pre-show we were talking about the midfield, was the deciding factor in both of these matches. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if that's what ends up happening next week as well. Yeah. So he came on with 30 minutes left in the, in regular time mm -hmm. and put together 81% of his passing. Yep. And in that short amount of time, he had 38 touches. I mean, that's man, mm -hmm. immediate impact right there. Yeah. They saw something in Omaha's, in Omaha's defense that they could play through the midfield like that. And it worked. Yeah. And he was going at defenders too. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we have here that he was four or five with his successful dribbles. Yeah. I mean, if you got a player like Mensingen dribbling at your defenders, it's going to be arrested, a long day. Arrested Mensingen too. Yeah. You know, played 60 less minutes. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. Great game plan by weekly on that. Yep. And then for Union Omaha, I mean Connor Doyle. I, I think he would be, I think he would be the, the easiest pick for that one. Mm -hmm. There are certainly other players like JP Scares. He had a good game. Amir Al Hadzik. He had a, he had a good game. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think far and away for me it would be Connor Doyle. How calm he was in the middle, and the way that he was trying to move the ball, move the game, move players into spaces. 
he was he was playing at a very high level during that game. Yeah, it seemed like he was asked to do a lot more in this match. Granted, it could have been because of his experience and the fact that he's the captain, but it seemed like he was doing a little bit more than usual yeah. in this match specifically. So, yeah. But I mean, Omaha couldn't get it done, and all credit goes to Chattanooga for pulling off that win. And the prize you're going to get now is the number one seed, <laughs> Richmond Kickers, who, Ouch. who, uh, they've been a great team, man. That's, that's going to be a tough one to beat. Yeah. So as we get into the semifinal matches, I'm really excited because these are both prime matchups. Because mm-hmm. as I was preparing for tonight and looking through all the stats and looking through all that kind of stuff, I mean, these, these are two that they're, they're going to be very, very good matches. Yeah. I am extremely excited to watch these matches. I know I'm going down to the Nebraska football game. Here's hoping that it gets done early enough that I can catch these matches in central time. So I might have Richmond and Chattanooga pulled up on my phone sitting in the stands. Yeah. And when you look at these two matchups, neither of them have played each other in the playoffs, which is a little bit easier for Greenville and Tormenta because Tormenta's yeah, you know, the first, first time in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But for Richmond and, and Chattanooga, you would think that by now, I mean, granted the, the league's only three seasons or three years old and in 2020, they had just the, the two teams qualify for the championship. But I would have thought last year, these two would have met up, but no, nope, um, unfortunately, so on Saturday evening at five o'clock or six o'clock Eastern, five o'clock Central Time, Richmond yeah. will host the Red Wolves, and they have played each other eleven times since 2019. And yeah. if I were to ask you who would be leading the series, who would you who would you guess? Richmond. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people would would guess that. Chattanooga leads the series with seven wins Ooh. out of those eleven. Ooh, yeah. Richmond has only won three times. Damn. That's going to be a good one. Yeah. Chattanooga's outscored Richmond by three goals. They scored 14. Richmond has scored 11. And in the 11 times that they have faced one another, they have only had one draw the entire time. And that draw was their most recent match this season. That's insane. Yeah. Of all the... Weird things that League One has come up with. I would not have picked that one at all. I yeah. would have said Richmond easily has has the advantage over Chattanooga. But again, maybe that's just us not paying enough attention to Chattanooga. Yeah. I mean, we said it a couple weeks ago, Sleeping Giant, man. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of look into the history between these two and to see how many active players are still on their respective rosters who have faced Chattanooga and how those results have gone and all that kind of stuff. Okay. There are five active players on Richmond's squad who has faced Chattanooga in their, in their past Mm -hmm. and only one. Sorry. What's up? I was going to say, I think I can probably figure out who one of them is. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And only one of them is an active goal scorer from the 2021 season or earlier. 
And as you might guess, it would be. Yeah. Fans at home. Take a second here. We're going to do it like a single person AM radio sports talk. You give them a second to talk in their car on their own. <laughs> I would say Terzaghi. Yeah. It's Emiliano Terzaghi. Yep. So he has three goals in the entire series. He has only scored against Chattanooga once per season. Once in 2020, once in 2021, and once this season. And if he scores on Saturday, he'll set the record with goals against Chattanooga in a single season. Now, granted, this is if you include the playoffs. But what's interesting is that Olex Anderson, who is now with uh, North Carolina, has scored twice against Chattanooga when he was with Richmond. But... He did it. He scored once in 2020 and then once again in 2021. Mm -hmm. So Emiliano Terzaghi does lead the club all time in goals scored against Chattanooga, but he could separate himself even further by doing so in a single season with a goal on Saturday. And then there are, you know, there's the, the goal scorers from this year, but they all scored one goal. You know, you got Ani, Chrysler, Baima, you got Owen Gordon. So if you flip the switch and look over at the Red Wolves, they have four players who have scored goals against Richmond. And it wouldn't take too much effort to try to figure out who these players are. Uh, one of them, obviously, is Mo Espinosa. He has two goals, and both of them came this season. Hmm. And only one other player in Chattanooga history has scored two goals against Richmond in the same season. And... Oh, I'm I'm gonna butcher this name. I apologize <laughs> to you if you're listening. His name is Sito Siowani. Hopefully, yeah, we'll, hopefully I got that right. If I didn't, we'll I apologize. Bet. But he currently plays in Iceland, so I doubt he's listening. But yeah, I have a sneaking suspicion he's not listening to a League One podcast while he's playing in Iceland. Yeah, but Mo Espinosa is tied all time four goals against Richmond. So uh, just like Emiliano Terzaghi, a goal on Saturday would set the club all-time record for goals against Richmond in a single season if you include the playoffs. Um, so there are two other players from Chattanooga who have scored against Richmond all-time. The other players from this season, you know, you got Timmy Mel, you got Juan Galindrez and Ualefi. Mm -hmm. So yeah, a little bit of interesting inf information there. Oh, definitely. And I mean, that's going to be really interesting to see because those are two guys that I would definitely put on the short watch list for impact players for that match. Yeah. I know I gave Espinoza a lot of love last week and he didn't deliver in the Omaha match, but I have a feeling that Omaha's defense is just a tad bit better than Richmond's. So yes, I would agree. I'm going to say Espinoza's it's going to be one of those guys that is going to have a field day, especially being like an outside the box sniper like he is to be able to score a goal. Yeah. But you flip the switch and Terzaghi can score anywhere. <laughs> he's another one of those guys. Again, don't know why the hell he's playing in this league, but who knows? He could easily get a goal too. So yep. this is definitely going to be a good matchup against two very good attacking teams. Yeah. And the all-time history between these two clubs playing at Richmond, Richmond has three wins and Chattanooga has two wins. So pretty even results there. Mm -hmm. But here's another kicker for you. Chattanooga has not scored in Richmond 
since October 24th of 2020. Oh boy. So if you extend that out to Saturday, that's 736 days, just over two years since they have scored in that stadium. Man, well, that'll make it tough. I mean, City Stadium is a very tough place to play, especially yeah. especially with the crowd kind of coming back. And they showed that in their final regular season match, getting 6,000 people. Here's hoping that it's the same environment on on Saturday. But that's, that is insane. I don't know if any other team in the league has gone, has had that big of a scoring drought at an away venue. Yeah. I doubt it. I doubt it. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting. I have a friend who just moved to Richmond and I was going to reach out to him and ask him if he was going to go to the the match this weekend. But then I, I think I saw recently that they're expecting another sellout this weekend. So it seems like it would, I mean, still worth looking into just in case they haven't sold out yet. But so if we look at these two clubs and start to look into their style, their approaches, their tendencies, if we look at Richmond first, we know that they're a high octane goal producing powerhouse. They have a high conversion rate. You know, you can continue to sing the praises because their goal differential is sky high. The amount of goals. I think they set a a record for goals scored in a single season. They Mm -hmm. set a record for conversion rate. I mean, they're setting all kinds of offensive records this season. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's also, there's also Fitzgerald setting the single season saves record too. So there's all sorts of, there's all sorts of records going on in Richmond, but yes, I completely agree. Their their offense is very very good, but part of me wonders if you take out Terzaghi and Bolanos, if they're going to even be able to do anything. Exactly. So, I mean, I know they they're on rest and everything like that. They've had a week to rest up and do whatever, but. As we've seen in this league, funky things happen. And if one of those two or if both of those two guys are either unable to go or get sent off, you just have to really wonder how they're going to score. Yep. Totally agree. You know, not only are they good individually, but when you put them together, I mean, they're incredibly dangerous. So Mm -hmm. if you are Chattanooga and you're trying to defend both Terzaghi, you're looking for Bolaños. I mean, you're trying to defend these guys. Put a body on them. Yeah. Put a spy on them. Like wherever they go, you have a guy following him wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. It's gonna. Um, it's a complete turnaround from the game that you just played. Yeah. You just played a team that has no offense to turn around and play a team with the best offense in the league. Yeah. So, <laughs> man, that's tough. I got you. Got to feel for for Chattanooga in this one. Yep. And you mentioned Fitzgerald. I mean, if we're looking at Richmond's defense, do you really need to say anything more? I mean, they have Fitzgerald minding their net. So, yeah. And I was, I'll say it's yes, he did set the single season saves record, but if you look at how many saves he had, he doubled up the gold glove winner in saves. So does that say more about his goalkeeping keeping ability or the fact that he faced so many more shots because of a poor defense? Exactly. And their defense does allow way more shots than they should. Mm-hmm. They haven't allowed a whole lot, 
but right. they allow um, a lot of shots to take place. Yeah, and I mean that that could come down to the skill set of the team too, as well. I mean, if, looking at them, their defenders can get up up the field and and turn into an offensive weapon. Stuart um, Ritchie. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, you know, their defenders turn to offensive weapons so quickly that a lot of time they get beat in the yeah. defense, which is your primary focus but i mean it's got it's gotten richmond the first seed so it can't be all broken but you just have to wonder about especially against a team like chattanooga with guys who can score outside the box they don't need to make runs in to score if they're going to be able to to hang with them yeah so it'll be interesting to see especially the line for Richmond, I'm going to really going to want to watch and see if they're going to try to play a high line and try to just use that attacking force like they have been, or if they're going to try to sit back a little bit and respect some of what Chattanooga can do. Yeah. I think that, Oh man, see, it's, it's kind of one of those things where if you set the high line and then allow Chattanooga's, you know, trio of stars to have less space, you can, have more guys to react to that space and to apply pressure to them mm-hmm. at the same time, it can play into Chattanooga's favor because they like to expand the ball or expand the field through those long balls and stuff like that. And if they can stretch your defense and keep you honest, your defenders aren't going to want to set that high line like you're hoping mm-hmm. for. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's the two highest powered offenses in the league. Um, yeah. Richmond ended the season with a 19 goal differential and Chattanooga ended the season with a 13 goal differential. So the two highest powered offense by a huge margin, Yeah, the third place team has is hailstorm who didn't even make the playoffs with a four goal differential. So these are two extremely high powered offenses that can score from anywhere on the field. Both of them. And I'm so glad you brought up the goal differential because for anybody out there who is automatically thinking that Richmond is going to win this game, I want to plant a little bit of a seed of doubt in your mind because their goal differential in the first half of the season was plus 13. Their goal differential in the second half was plus six. So less than half mm-hmm. of what their first half goal differential was. Mm-hmm. If you look even further, They had four shutouts in the first half. They had only three in the second. And then if you look at the way that they allowed goals in the second half of their season, they had a lot. They had a lot more games that were closer than they would have liked because they had even in the last six weeks, they had four draws and they had five draws in the second half of their season. So I kind of wonder if they coasted a little bit through the second half and going into the playoffs. Because mm-hmm. if you have four draws in your last six weeks, yeah. Well, I mean, some distractions going on. Yeah, and you can you can break it down a little um, a bit more too. Um, in the first half of the season, they never allowed more than two goals, and then in the second half of the season, they allowed three goals twice. Yeah. So and allowed two goals in four matches in both the first and the second half. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be a little bit of a distraction. It could be a little bit of a coasting, but at the same time, they have 
they have a lot of veterans on their team that have played quite a bit and some guys that have played league one specifically one of them a lot that I don't necessarily know that they were coasting and more that it was okay we have a big lead in the standings we can afford to not play all out for every single match let's just make sure we lock up the one seed and then call it good that's very true yeah so I mean it it, it's one of those things where you have to balance that it's one of those very intricate details that you have to look at as a manager or as a coach and and play for that so it'll be uh it'll be interesting to see and maybe they did coast maybe they maybe they've lost some form the stats would tell us that they lost a little bit of form but then again who knows yeah we're gonna find out saturday that's for sure oh yeah and this is a team that'll test them too yeah so if we look at chattanooga's offense who is going to test richmond's defense like you were just talking about Chattanooga's offense has lots of shots that they have placed on target. Lots. Mm-hmm. I think they, if they don't lead the league, they're probably second in the league with that. Well, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and they are very balanced with their personnel. Mm-hmm. And they are flexible with their offensive style. You know, they can be flashy one minute, and then the very next minute, they can be very formulaic, they can be very practical which can keep you guessing it's that sort of Jekyll and Hyde aspect to their offense that, that troubles defenses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, if, if you flip it and look at the defensive side, the good things about it, they've only allowed three goals, three plus goals twice and four clean sheets in the second half of the season, two of which being in the last four weeks. So yeah, the defense is, is clicking in the right time. And I know you see that a little bit in their goal differential, but I think a lot of that is due to Fitzgerald being such a good goalkeeper and the fact that their offense is so high powered. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's some bad things too with Chattanooga that you can look at their offense fouls a lot and gets a lot of cards. And it's just, it part of the being really flashy thing too is when you take a lot of shots outside the box you're giving the ball away a lot when you could be looking for better options yeah. or maybe the play is to be more practical but it kind of seems like from some of the the Chattanooga matches that I've seen they want to score that big flashy goal first and just kind of stun lock the the team they're playing and then they switch into that. Okay, now we're going to pass the ball around. We're going to find that next goal as opposed to we're going to make that goal. Yeah. So, and Chattanooga's defense aren't exactly the stalwarts that you would have in mind if you were looking for some sort of a defensive setup moving mm-hmm. forward. They allow teams into the box an awful lot. And yeah. if you look at Richmond's top three scorers, mm-hmm. Every single one of their goals, except for one, was scored in the box. Yeah. Clinical finishes. Chattanooga's defense is going to have to load their box. They're going to have to man up. They're going to have to get tough without getting too tough, you know, to draw the (laughs) fouls and all that kind of stuff. Right. Because Richmond is going to come red hot into that box, and they're going to put a lot of shots on frame from inside. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean it. We saw what Chattanooga can do on defense in the first round of the playoffs. 
I mean, they they held their form. They held out well. And a lot of great saves. So that's something they're definitely going to need against this Richmond team. Because this Richmond team is a clinically good scoring team. Yeah. They don't miss many opportunities. <laughs> They're not, they're not a team that's going to pepper shots from outside the box. They're going to try to get the ball into the box. Exactly. Like you said, and, and score those easy tap in kind of style goals. Yeah. So it'll definitely be interesting. Yep. And while we're poking holes in Richmond's defense, we should probably do the same for Chattanooga's defense because Mm -hmm. in six of their last 10 matches, they have allowed two goals to be scored. And of those 10 uh, opponents, only three were not playoff teams, which is even more concerning. Because if you're facing those playoff teams again, and you were just recently giving up two goals, and you're going up against the the highest, you know, the performing offense in the the league, Mm -hmm. that does not bode well for you. No, it doesn't. And especially, like you said, with how Richmond likes to score goals and can score goals. They are tailor made to be good at what Chattanooga is not good at defending. So, I mean, it, that's going to be a, a matchup to watch. Yeah. It, it's, it's not one that typically jumps off the page and screams like, yeah, this is going to be a good one. But when you look at the mm-hmm. stats and the storylines, there's some good stuff going on here and it's going to be a good one. It's going to be very entertaining. Yeah. Well, for sure. This is, this is going to be a very good match for sure. I don't know if I'd call it the must see match of the weekend, um, but it'll be a good one. Nonetheless. Yeah. If we're looking at the, if we're trying to pick out a a must see, it's gotta be the next one Yeah. between Greenville and Tormenta Saturday, Saturday night. 7.30 7.30 kickoff Easter time, 6.30 uh, Central time. This one is as close as it gets. Yeah. <laughs> and there's such a history between these two teams. I'm so excited to talk about this one. This is going to be a good one. Yeah. So if you look at the history between Greenville and Tormenta, they have played 13 matches. And here's where, here's where it gets a little interesting. In 2019... They even played in the first round of the U.S. Open Cup. Well, that's just not fair. Yeah. Why we got to do that? Yeah. Must have been USL scheduling in charge of that one. MLS. MLS trying to screw us over again. That too. Yeah. So all time in the league series between these two clubs, in those 13 matches, Tormenta has won seven times. Greenville has only won four times and they've drawn twice. Gio and Brandon are pulling their hair out right now. Yeah. And all time, if you want to include the U S open cup, then you would obviously give that additional win to Greenville because they did beat Tormenta in that U S open cup game one zero. Sure. So Greenville has not won against Tormenta at home since August 5th of 2020. Oh boy. That is 815 days as of Saturday. Man, Greenville, what you doing? Yeah. You could not have picked a more perfect playoff matchup for somebody that doesn't want to see Greenville advance. Yeah. And here's another little bit of trivia for you. 
Greenville's first ever league opponent, Tormenta. Oh, huh. yeah. And they lost that one zero to one playing at Tormenta. Here's another little bit of, of a plot twist for you. I love it. These two teams have had, have two active players who have played for both clubs. I love it. The oh God, I love it. So the first player we, we should talk about is Alex Morell. He was the forward and winger currently plays with Tormenta. Mm-hmm. Spent the 2019 season with Tormenta, then played the 2020 and 2021 seasons with Triumph, and then moved back to Tormenta. The first ever goal in this series scored by Morell. Wow. Yeah. Well, he wouldn't has... that be that would be their first goal all time, then, wouldn't it? If that was their first opponent. Uh, so that was when he was playing with Tormenta. So when he played with Tormenta, he had a goal and an assist. And then when he played with Greenville, he had a goal and two assists. So it Solid. looks like he loves Triumph more. Yeah. Picking favorites. Yep. And then the other player is Lucas Coutinho, the attacking midfielder. Mm-hmm. He spent the 2019 and 2020 season with Tormenta. And then he moved up to the championship to play with FC Tulsa for a season. And then mm-hmm. came back to USL League One and played with Triumph for this season. Yep. And was able to get an assist with Tormenta and hasn't earned a goal or assist with Triumph just yet. Oh, so he likes Tormenta better. Yeah. And we couldn't find a huge list of veteran, you know, experience among Richmond or Chattanooga. I think they had, you know, four, uh, roughly four players each that had Mm -hmm. played in the season or in the series before. Yeah. There are 11 players on Triumph's roster who not only have played in this series, are still playing with the club and are goal scorers or assisters. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense with Greenville's kind of strategy and how they've been able to build their team. So yeah, I could see that. And if you just look at 2019 through 2021, there were 10 goals scored by Triumph during those three seasons. Of those 10 goals, there were six active players who scored goals during those seasons. And there were two active players who were earned assists during that time. So they have a ton of veteran stability, a ton of veteran experience and production. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they definitely do. And none of those six goal scorers or two assisters have been involved in the Greenville Tormenta series this season. There have been all new names, all new faces to, to those stat lines. That is very surprising. Yeah. Especially given the name, the names of some of the guys here. Yeah, that's wow. Yeah. And, you know, if you throw away the, so they, this is one of those matchups that had one of those ridiculous score lines because they had that five, five draw earlier in the season. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. If you throw that one out as like an outlier, the only player on their team who has scored a goal against Tormenta this season is Jacob Lapovitz. Yeah, I could see that. It makes sense. And it's it's only one goal. Outside of that 5-5 draw, they've only scored one goal against Tormenta. Very interesting. Yeah. 
And then if you look at Tormenta, they have three active players who are involved. Also, obviously, we talked about Alex Morel, Lucas Coutinho, but then they also have uh, Lars Eckenrode, I guess. I apologize if I butchered your name. That's how I would say it, too. Yeah. So, yeah, tons of storylines there, just going over those statistics. Mm -hmm. So if we look at Greenville stylistically and we get into all that kind of discussion, looking at their offense, Mm -hmm. it's very easy to describe Greenville's offense. Yeah. They're patient. They're methodical. They're very intentional and purposeful in what they do. Yep. They like to shoot. This This is a good offense when they're hot. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the issue though right gotta get them going yes the another so a bad thing about greenville's offense is that sometimes that stability and that methodical nature to their offense can become a little too predictable for the opposition and to go along with those shots that they like to take they have a low conversion rate so they need to fix that as well yeah a lot of shots not as many going in. So yeah. I think are are they still the team that's put the most shots on goal and just haven't converted? Ooh, I don't know about that. It might be shots or shots on goal. They're really high think, in one of them. I think shots, they're highest. That sounds but right. I, but I think shots on goal, I would probably give that to Richmond. Yeah. I, yeah. Just got to include the goals, I guess. Yeah. I'm not a stats guy, everybody. <laughs> and so if we turn and look at Greenville's defense, you know, once again, we start looking at that veteran experience. They're very mm-hmm. stable. They're very experienced. They're versatile because they have players that can move up the field, that can pose those offensive threats. They've earned 10 clean sheets this season, and mm-hmm. they don't foul a lot. They're very clean and they're very sound in their their mechanics and their their fundamentals. Mm-hmm. One thing that I have noticed between last season and this season is they don't get beat on the counterattack nearly as often as they did last last season. Yeah, this season, and I wonder if that has to do with a little bit of I'm going to go Homer and say the final last year. <laughs> Which would be a big thing. I mean, it, if if you lose a final due to some good counterattacking by a team that loves to counterattack, you're going to tailor your team to be able to defend it. And yeah. credit to, to John Harks for turning the team into a team that does not get beat on the, the counter very often anymore. Yeah. Um, Greenville's a really strong side. They um, are. And have been. I mean, they've been, they've been one of the constants in in league one. So, I mean, there's, there's good things with their team, but there's also some bad things too. Greenville's given up the first goal a lot, 13 times. I'm seeing that you, you saw there something interesting about it is they've never won when the opposition scored first. So they are not a team that can come back and win matches, but conversely, they've never lost when they've scored first. And, when the score is a one goal difference. So if they score first, they win. If they let a goal in first, they lose. And it's as simple as that really for this matchup. Yeah. So say Tormenta scores in the 22nd minute, boom, final whistle. We're done here. Blow it. It's over. Yep. 
if we're going with history, but, and that's a real, that's a really big concern for Greenville in this match because Tormenta has the ability to score first and to score quickly and their attack is really good. Yeah. If I'm Tormenta, I want to score as soon as possible because I want to take all the air out of their sails. I want to get all the momentum dead in the water for all the fans that are in that stadium. And I want to continue putting the pressure on Greenville's defense because I know very well that they could turn around and bite you in the ass. Yeah, very true. That's a good point. So if we are looking at Tormenta's offense instead, I, th- I feel like this would be an, another easy one to describe because they're a team that's, you know, they're in the best form right now. Mm-hmm. They're a very hungry squad. They're energetic. They're, they're, they are also balanced in personnel. Yeah. One thing that Tormenta is really, really good at, not only their passing, but their long balls. Yeah. And they, they balance that out with their ability to dribble at defenders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's one of those things that I brought up earlier. I, Greenville has kind of retooled their defense to be able to, to stop that long ball. But Tormenta is one of the best in the league at sending long balls on target. Yeah. And you couple that with how good they are at going at defenders. You got guys like Sterling, especially who's kind of a wizard on the ball. I mean, that could set up to be a very long night for this Greenville defense, Mm -hmm. but Greenville in its own right can do the same thing and they could just pass you to death too. They're a very well put together team. So these are two offenses that are completely on the opposite end of the spectrum. You have one team where that's in Tormenta that's kind of flashy and can take you on one-on-one and beat you versus Greenville who will sit there and pick out the best pass and beat you that way. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, a, a clash of two different styles of offense, which is going to be really cool to watch. Yep. And we were talking about all those long balls going through for Tormenta. They don't cross an awful lot. They do most of their production on the ground and with those long balls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They really put a lot of, of, a lot of faith in their guys to win those one-on-one battles and get enough space to take a shot. So it, I mean, it's, it's something that I wonder if they're going to just play into their strengths or if they're going to try to come a little bit unconventional against Greenville and maybe try to send some more crosses into the box, try to catch them off guard. Yeah. But you got to be there to finish them too. So. Yep. They don't, do as well with their aerial challenges, which is probably why they stick to their ground attack. Mm-hmm. But if they, they know can, what works, yeah, exactly, yeah. But if they are able to incorporate crosses, even if it's just a a random surprise one that to, that can throw you off guard, yeah. I mean, just throw the kitchen sink at Greenville, just make yeah. it happen. Yeah, and it seems like Tormenta is, especially in their their playoff game last week when they're crossing the ball, they're trying to get the ball into the box first before they send it in, as opposed to sending them from outside the box. So that's something to look out for too. And that could be, you know, their, their preference to go at defenders too. So that's something to watch for sure as well. Yeah. This is going to be a very, very good one. 
uh, like you were talking about earlier, flash versus foundations, you know, those fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be fun to watch these two go at each other. You know, Greenville's, you know, we've been talking so much about Greenville's midfield all season. I mean, their defense alone. I mean, I have Fireland, Pollock, Lee, Frankie, Fricky. I mean, these are guys that could easily be top defenders at any other club that they wanted to go to in mm-hmm. League One or even Championship. I mean, these are these are very sound players. Yep. And they deserve a ton of credit for the way that they've been playing this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they have 10 clean sheets this season for Greenville. But interesting stat is that the team behind them is Tormenta with nine. So the defense of Tormenta is not, not a pushover. And we can just take that 5-5 draw and just throw it out the window. I think that yeah. was USL craziness, you know. Yeah. So, But when you also look at Tormenta's defense, they're not sound. They're not, they're not an Omaha. They're not a Greenville because they are sketchy at times and they allow so many shots, just a ton of shots get through. And that's something that they're definitely going to have to look out for with a Greenville team's offense. That's going to be clinical in their attack. So you can't allow a lot of shots against this Greenville team. Yep. I agree. So if you are Tormenta, and you're looking at your own team's tendencies. You know that your team tends to give up a lot of shots. You also know that Greenville takes a lot of shots, but their conversion is low. Mm -hmm. So if you are, I'm assuming they're going to go with Bush in goal. If you are Bush there in goal, are you going to be, overly concerned about that kind of stuff because once again i mean if you take labovitz out of the way that's that's a major contributor to their scoring and their shooting yeah and could hinder them quite a bit yeah i mean it's it's going to be kind of one of those adapt on the fly kind of things i don't know that i'm super worried about greenville's scoring opportunities just because their conversion rate is so low with as many shots as they have but it's definitely something to look out for because it, I mean, we know this league, this league is weird and this could be a random, one of those five, five matchups too. You know, ball could just be finding the net that night too. So yes, it's something to look out for if I'm, if I'm playing goal, but I, I'm not going to be as concerned playing a Greenville as I would be against a Chattanooga or a Richmond. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I'm going to put you on the spot, Rich. I'm going to ask okay. you what you think how you think these matches are going to go. If I'm asking you to predict a score line and a winner for each of these matches. Oh man. Looking at Chattanooga and Richmond, it seems like it could easily go one way or the other, but at the same time, I still want to give the edge to Richmond and it Chattanooga has a really good trio and, you know, sound defenders like Timmy Mel and I mean, good midfield. They're, they're a good balanced team, but it'll be interesting to see how red hot Richmond comes in, you know, to that one. I'm still going to, I'm still going to pick Richmond for that one. Mm-hmm. And looking at Greenville and Tormenta, 
it's so funny that we're sitting here talking about the lower seed and treating them like they're the favorite. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the, the three team going to the two seed, yep. but it just seems like Tormenta is, is such a favorite in this one. I mean, I, I feel like you got to go with Tormenta, mm. mm -hmm. but this is one that's going to be so close. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I think both of these matches are going to be very close affairs for that first matchup. I still think I'm going to have to go with Chattanooga. I think Chattanooga is going to get it done. Okay. Um, I think they're going to have some crazy shots. Apparently my new favorite player in the league is Mo Espinoza. Cause I just have a feeling he's going to put <laughs> one or two past and it'll be, it'll be probably a two to one game if I had to pick a score line for that one, but I'm going to take Chattanooga advancing to the final over Richmond. And for the second match, I'm going to, you know what? The top two seeds aren't going through. It's going to be Tormenta versus Chattanooga Ooh. in the final. Ooh, okay. That's nice. where that's where I'm sitting. I could go either way with the first match. I just have a feeling that Chattanooga is going to get it done. And in the second match, I just don't think. I think Tormenta has Greenville's number. Yeah. I There's no way around it. It just, they know how to play them. They know how to beat them. And I'm definitely could not be moved off of Tormenta beating Greenville. That one I know is going to happen. And the first match, I could be convinced, but we're going to see a lower seed matchup in the final. Nice. All right. Hopefully, we didn't just jinx you, Tormenta. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to give you the Northern Colorado treatment. Tormenta or chat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's our general feel for how the semifinals are going to go. We got a we got some big announcement out of league news. Lexington Sporting Club announced that Stephen Short is going to be their chief operating officer. Now, this is a big get for Lexington. Yeah. This guy has a ton of experience in USL. He has 12 years of experience within the, the organization. He was the senior vice president for expansion club strategy. He was the vice president of business development. He helped launch 10 franchises. And he was also very vital to the creation of League One. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this guy, he's returning home. I mean, he's originally from... Okay, so this, this is something I, I find funny because he's originally from Louisville. Okay. Now, if you talk to people from Louisville, because I have a friend who's from Louisville, he said there's like six different ways that you can say Louisville. And mm -hmm. because I, when I first met him, I kept saying Louisville. But he would always say, no, it's Louisville. And he said, there's Louisville, there's Louisville. I've never heard Louisville, by the way. For for that one? Or because isn't the town in Nebraska? It, don't you call that one Louisville? Is it? Because I've always called it Louisville. Oh, I've always called it Louisville. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's a very fluid and weird language, English. Yeah. So for the one in Kentucky, he said that you can say, Louisville, Louisville. He says that there's plenty of people who say Louisville. I've heard and, Louisville, yeah. And then he said there's another uh, adaptation that's very close to it, Louisville, which is Louisville. Okay, sure. Uh, and there's a couple other pronunciations. So as soon as I saw that he was from Louisville, Louisville, whatever, I just got a good laugh because that made me think of my friend who's from that area. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. But anyways, so 
Stephen Short is going to be returning to Kentucky and he's going to be helping out with Lexington and he's going to be a very good addition to that club. Yeah, I, I think so. It really seems like they're doing it right down there. I mean, it, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with, I think, next year when they come in. So, and they're making the right hires, it seems like. And it seems like they're taking the right, the right path and getting guy, guys that care about um, the community and mm-hmm. know the community and therefore are going to have a vested interest in making sure the club works and the club is successful. So I love the get that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Like you said, they seem to be doing everything right. Mm-hmm. So, well, the thing know. I really like about them too, is they, they didn't just jump straight in to the USL. They set up their Academy program first. They set up youth sports first. They they did all of the right things that every club should do before starting a professional franchise. Yeah. And I mean, that that's definitely the way to do it. I mean, I know there's, there's other teams in the league that have done it too. Uh, they're just the newest one, but that's definitely the way in my opinion to go. So, yep. man, I mean, our friend out there, Tyler, man, he's, he's going to be enjoying life next season. Oh yeah. And, that team uh, is going to be making playoffs. Ooh, early hot take. <laughs> early, early hot take. Season's not over yet. Yep. I'm looking forward to uh, Tyler shit talking. That's going to come eventually. That's going to be good. Yeah. Oh, he knows. He's, he said it too. He, he fully admits he's going to shit talk as soon as it happens. So yeah, just like the Bolt Twitter account, he's he's collecting receipts right now, man. He's yep. he's got all the the evidence he needs against every single person every single one of you league one fans <laughs> out there he's got baggage on you yep we won't tell you to kick a ball first though yeah that's no not, we're not gonna do that that's not our thing <laughs> well speaking of tyler he sent us a question this week and right. you can find him on twitter at crane kicks lex and his question is he's excluding also the USL show yes he is also on the usl show so Tyler asks, ex- excluding each team's top score, who is going to be the X factor for each team for these matchups? Okay. That's a good question. I like it. Yeah. Should we just go with the uh, the first matchup of the, the week and go with Richmond and Chattanooga first? Sure. Okay. So for Richmond, for me, it's, it's going to be Bolanos, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I have. Yeah. I mean, he's your assist leader. He's second in your scoring. I know that might be cheating a little bit, but yeah. he also, if you go through all the other stats, he's first with big chances created. He's, I mean, successful tackles, big chances. I, this guy is all over the place. So yep. I think he's easily your pick for that one. Yep. And then if you flip it and go to Chattanooga, I'm going to go with my boy Espinosa, man. <laughs> yeah. For me, yeah, he's for me he's the X factor on that team. For when when he's playing really well, that team is super dangerous. And I think a lot of it has to do with with his ability to score outside the box and his ability to facilitate because if you look at some more of his stats, he has the most chances created on the team. He has the most big chances created on the team. And I mean, he's just all over the place. 
So I I definitely have to go with Espinoza for my impact player for them. So if we're removing Juan Galindrez from contention, mm-hmm. it'd be easy to go for Espinoza. It'd be yeah. easy to go for Mensingen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with a surprise pick, and I'm going to go with Jose Carrera Garcia. That's a good sleeper pick. He has been playing lights out this season. That guy is good, especially yeah. in recent weeks. He's been very, very good. Oh, yeah. he's He's gotten hot at the right time. Yeah. I like that pick a lot. So then let's go for Greenville and Tormenta. Okay. I think you and I might be different on these two as well. Who you got for Greenville? Um, so... I'm going to be that kid in class who's going to cheat off your exam right now. <laughs> that's all good that one that one's tough i don't know man i i feel like i'm gonna go with i i think i'm gonna have to go with don smart yeah so uh, and it just comes down to his ability to to create the big chance yeah uh, that's that's really it it's really hard to pick a a standout player for greenville yeah, because the whole team, top to bottom, is so fucking talented. <laughs> they like, are. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I mean, you pick one, and there's seven other choices for whatever thing you're picking. So. Yep, and I'm so glad you picked Don Smart because I am a very big Don Smart fan. I love oh, really? watching him play, and I will not hold back on on my admiration of of watching him play. I, you know, I don't know what it is, man. I mean, he's he's really good. But yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of his. Yeah. The way that you're you're you know riding the Espinosa train, I'm riding the Don Smart train. But I respect it. You pick Don Smart. I'm gonna mix it up and I'm gonna go with his partner in crime there in the middle, and I'm gonna go with Aaron Walker. That's see, that's another one of those that like didn't come into my mind right away. But now that you say it, I'm like, oh yeah, easily. That's another yeah. good one. Like, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> There's so many names on Greenville. You just look at their roster like, oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Yep. That guy. Yep. That guy, too. Yep. Yeah. It's exactly how it is. Pick a guy. Yeah. Could he be the best? Yep. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. That's. They're too loaded, man. Yep. It's ridiculous. Yep. All right. So Tormenta, we cannot choose Kaziah Sterling. Which is the easiest pick of, of probably all time in the playoffs right now. Yeah. I'm going to have to go with uh, Kingsford Ajay. That's a good one. Um, That's a good one. If if you look at him, he's up there with the goals and assists. And he just kind of changes their entire... I just want to... They change their the way they play when he's on the field. It seems like they have more of a spark. It seems like they have more, more of a mindset to win matches when he's out there. So it's just kind of one yeah. of those X factor feeling kind of things yeah. as opposed to any one big stat that stands out to me. Yep. I completely agree with you. Kingsford would definitely be an awesome choice for that one. So just like my choice for Chattanooga, I'm going to go with a sleeper for Tormenta. Tormenta. Okay. And I'm going to choose Gabriel DeFritas. That's yeah. Another central midfielder. Yep. There's a common theme with my players or my picks for these four <laughs> teams here. Yep. But yeah, that guy, he's another one of those players who has been playing very, very well in recent weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
picking between Kingsford and and Defridas, I mean that's that's a tough pick, but I I think yeah, uh, either way you're you're not going to lose with those guys. Yeah, no. It's um yeah, it's a good pick too. I mean, the, you see these teams in the playoffs, we could have easily named five or six guys for every team and like 11 guys in one team's case, but yeah, we're the talent is really showing through in this postseason. Yeah. So thank you, Tyler, for sending in that question. We had a few questions from Paul Acosta. You can find him on Twitter at Paul underscore Acosta five. Mm-hmm. His first question is who has the easiest match up to the final and why? I think I touched on that a little bit earlier, but I think Tormenta does because they have Greenville's number. <laughs> oh man. And it's just because of the season series, man. You look at it and it's just, it's not taking anything away from Greenville. Greenville's a good team, but you can't beat Tormenta, man. You just can't do it. You haven't proven you can do it. So Tormenta does. It's just so funny to think that we're sitting here thinking like, oh yeah, Tormenta's totally got it over Greenville. Like what the fuck? (laughs) Greenville team that's been in the final every single fucking year. just like oh yeah they're gonna lose are you sure like really Uh, i can tell like right now all the greenville people that listen to us are screaming at the top of their lungs like no you're you're wrong you're wrong like i i don't think so dude that i it is what it is i'm not i'm not saying you're a bad team i'm just saying tormenta has your number that's it yeah i am gonna go with a team from the other match and i'm gonna go with richmond I think they may have an easier time with Chattanooga than the other two. Yeah, I mean, I disagree a little bit, but that's fair. That's why we're here. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. I don't want to get them too mad at me, so I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> My team's not in it, so. <laughs> Paul's second question is, which rosters this year have lived up to the potential and what others have fallen short? So I'll go with, I I really have two teams that have lived up to their potential and it's going to be, this is going to be the most boring fucking pick of all time, but it's Richmond and Greenville. Um, Greenville, they're the most talented top to bottom team in the league, in my opinion, as far as starting 11 goes. So for them to make second seed and a buy into the semifinal, that's what you expect a team like Greenville to do. So that I think is the easy one. Um, and then Richmond just with the way they've played and they have a good, a good one as well. I think both of them lived up to their potential for sure. And then teams that didn't live up to their potential. I feel like, I think Omaha is definitely one of them, especially with some of their mid to late season signings that they did. Omaha did not, live up to their potential for sure. And I want to say Northern Colorado, not necessarily because the roster top to bottom is that good, but because of their form and how Irvin Parra played all season, I feel like they could have done better with the guys that they had. So those would be my picks for the people that did not live up to their, to their roster. I think Union Omaha played pretty much where I expected them to play before the season started. Sure. So 
they met expectations for me in that yeah. regard. I mean, as far as the season went, it, it was a good season, but yeah. I just, I, I feel like with some of the names, especially with Omaha, yeah, you'd expect them maybe to get a little bit, uh, maybe it's, maybe it's just the seating thing that's kind of in my head a little bit, yeah. but you'd expect them to be a little bit higher on the table, but. If so, Tormenta is also a really good pick because they finally made the playoffs. They made it all the way up to the three seed. They hosted the first round. They won that game. They're yeah. on to the semis. So that would be the most obvious pick. That's a good pick. Yeah. Richmond is a steady contender, you know, year in, year out. Even if they they aren't the one seed or something like that, they're going to be a team that's going to battle you the whole 90 minutes. Yeah. I, so the, the two teams that I'm going to pick, they're kind of going to go against the grain from what you just said. My first pick would be Charlotte. Interesting. Because I didn't think they were going to be good this year at all. I didn't either. And so for them to make the playoffs, mm -hmm. I certainly feel that they met, even exceeded their potential. Mm -hmm. And so that would be one of my picks. And then I would also go with, Northern Colorado. Mm -hmm. I, I know that they have the the names on on their their roster and you know they had some spells here and there but they also had some su success throughout the throughout the season. Mm -hmm. But I still did not expect them to be as close to the playoff threshold as they were. I think they were going to I think if I remember correctly the way that I had my preseason predictions I I think I felt they were going to be lower in the standings yeah I, so I think i put the expansion sides pretty low and that's yeah. just because you don't really know so i was yeah. maybe that's a pessimist in me but <laughs> but i mean that that also is a really good point too because they did go in and win their open cup match against an mls side so yeah that's yeah. a good pick and then for teams that did not i would go First and foremost, Ford Madison. Yeah. They, yeah. I kind of forgot about Madison. Not going to lie. That's a good yeah. pick. They had, they have a lot of talent on their side, mm -hmm. but man, they just fizzled out and they were dead in the water. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To kind of go off that too. Just plug in a plug in another podcast, but our friend Rob up at, um, talking flock did an interview with Matt Glazer that you should go listen to, especially if you think the team did not meet expectations this year. Yeah. There's some interesting insight that he provided on that. So. Yep. I'm glad you said that because I was just about to. So either way, Rob was going to get a plug. Yeah. <laughs> and then another team that I think did not live up to expectations. See, I want to, I, as much as I would love to say, Tucson, they didn't, I didn't really have expectations for them because they had such a huge roster turnover. So yeah, there weren't I, a whole lot of expectations placed upon them. No, I, I never really thought Tucson was going to be that high of a team. I, I knew that last year, them making the playoffs was kind of fluky and, and weird. And then, yeah, with the turnover they had and then everything like that, I, yeah, I don't think expectations were ever very high for Tucson. Yeah. I think I picked them like ninth or 10th. So, well, no, I picked them as a, 
as a playoff dark horse. So never mind. Yeah, Whatever. you did. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Well, I guess if I'm gonna <laughs> throw a hot take out there, I'll just say it to piss off Yogi over at Walking Ninety, since he firmly believes that Richmond is the underdog. I'll say that Richmond did not live up to expectations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure he would turn around and say the same thing about you to Omaha. So yeah, it's all good. <laughs> all right. Another question from Paul is make your own all league 11 first and second team. That's a very good question, Paul. Oh I'm glad you sent that one in. We are going to push that one to a couple weeks from now when we, uh, you know, are past the final, we're going to go through all those expectations from the, from the clubs that Brian sent out on Twitter. We're going to go over that question about the first and second team. We'll mm -hmm. debate all the golden glove, golden boot, MVP, you know, most valuable goalkeeper, young player of the year, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And then I also want to send a huge shout out to the people who have been sending me messages asking for statistical help and for asking questions uh, regarding, you know, very small, minute things. I love the fact that you guys are sending me messages and asking those kind of questions and engaging in those kind of conversations. You know, one that I got a message from Tim over at Ranting Blue Penguin on Twitter. He sent me, he even sent me a spreadsheet with some data on there. So I fully plan on talking about that one in the near future because there's some there's some cool stuff in there. And then you know, I really I regularly get questions from Allison. You can find her on Twitter at Bertram. Um, let me find her there again. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, he our uh, our listeners know which one of us has the big brain and are sending messages accordingly. No, so they come to you all the time That's in true. Twitter for your hot takes and all that kind of stuff. I see your conversations out there. Uh, yeah, I kind of insert myself into a little some of those, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you can find Allison on Twitter at Bertram A. She's one that regularly sends me questions. So yeah, if you have any questions for Brian, for myself, for both of us, feel free to reach out to us, whether it be through our Twitter, our podcast Twitter account, our individual accounts. But there are multiple ways to get a hold of us. And yeah, we love the fact that you guys are reaching out to us. So keep up, yeah. keep it up. We love it. Yeah, it's awesome. It It's one of the things that... I didn't really think about when we, when Rich and I started the podcast and it's something that every time I see a new message come in, whether it be DMS or whether it be you guys interacting with us via Twitter or talking about the, the show and stuff like that, it, it's something that I didn't expect in it. It's, it's really awesome and fills me with joy because I didn't, I just wanted to make a podcast to talk about soccer, you know, once, once a week for whatever 30 weeks or whatever out of the year. Um, but with, with how, how awesome you guys have been talking about it and interacting and stuff, it, it, it really helps and really makes me want to keep going. So we definitely appreciate it for sure. Yeah. Well, now that we've been all unicorns and rainbows, let's talk some shit. Yeah, dude, I don't have anything. You don't have a rant? Don't have a rant? <laughs> I don't have a rant this week. I got, I haven't been, I, I could talk about Omaha getting out of the playoffs, but I feel like it takes away from the the teams that made it. Yeah. So 
I don't I don't have a rant this week. No rant. I'll, uh, I gave you two last week. You guys are being greedy that's now. True. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we did get. I'll come up week. with a good one. I'll get a good one for next week. <laughs> I just got to get that. Uh, it's been a good day, so I don't have that fire. We got to record on a day where I just have a really shitty day, and then I just go at whatever I feel like that day. You know. There you go. Love it. <laughs> well, before we end, I saw a quick tweet from Rob right before we hit record tonight. And Rob over at Talking Flock, he is under the weather right now. So Rob, we're thinking about you. We hope you get better, get to feeling better, rest, recover, hydrate, all that kind of stuff. Just get to feeling better. Yeah, definitely. We need to, uh, we need the voice. We need Rob's voice in our, uh, in our lives. Yeah. And happy birthday to Gabriel Claudio at Union Omaha and happy birthday to Toby Otiano over at Tormenta. So, yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday, guys. All right, everybody. That is another episode of League One on the Rocks. We have some insanely fun action coming at you Saturday. So go ahead and watch those matches. Get on ESPN Plus to watch those. Afterward, we're going to plug another podcast here. Head over to Walk in 90 because they're going to have a live discussion afterwards so go check them out they are regularly and routinely providing fun just such funny content so get over there check out their podcast check them out on saturday night after the semifinal matches are over with and just enjoy all the banter that they have over there oh yeah they're uh they're definitely one of those those shows that you never know what you're going to get when you tune in. Yeah. So, yeah. That uh, that's definitely appreciated. Yep. And then come back to us next week because we're going to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to be recording another episode next week. We'll go over the finals and get you all hyped for that as well. Yeah, definitely. Don't we're not going it. anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going anywhere. We got some. We got some stuff lined up too. So. Yeah. We uh, there'll be no shortage of content for League One. Exactly. All right, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your semifinal matches on Saturday, and we will see you again next week. Yep. See you guys.